Welcome back to our morning study that's going to be in the afternoon, again. late afternoon again for hopefully for the last time. Do apologize for these being out later. Yeah, we'll just make sure that we try to get these out every single morning because I know it's better for everybody and we all need to just start our day with scripture and that has to be the first thing that we do before we do anything. So. And it's awesome that everybody is, or there's a lot of people doing these along with us. So we definitely appreciate it and <clears throat> give all glory to God for it. But we are in finally to Philippians in our letters backwards. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. That's what the kids wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, they did. Here's another... Uh, letter that the kids loves again Lily because it mentions Timothy in it because Timothy's along with Paul in this this is that Roman prison period right at the end of his life and he's in prison and writing these letters and here he's writing to the Philippians which uh, he didn't have a real good time in Philippi <laughs> when he was there uh, you can read about it in Acts 16 uh, but there's some interesting things about it. Philippi was the place where the uh, demon-possessed girl who had a spirit of fortune-telling, and she brought um, great wealth to her owners. And when I say that, obviously, we're talking about a bondservant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she brought a lot of wealth to them from it. But she was following uh, Paul and Silas around in Philippi, just yelling... These men are servants of the Most High God. They're preaching to you the message of salvation. And she just kept repeating this, just being loud and obnoxious, just followed behind him and just kept saying, just irritating him. And it says in Acts 16, finally, Paul got so annoyed with it that he just turned and commanded the spirit to leave her and it came out of her right away. Uh, but in doing so, made the Philippians very, very, very upset because they had lost all of a sudden their source of income through this spirit so they had uh it was bad for business it was bad for the philippians this was a great source of income for them and then them coming and preaching christ obviously and then paul doing this they just grabbed him up at that time and they took Paul to the leaders without trial they were like these men basically are bad for business they did these say they going against uh, uh, that are not things that are not lawful for Romans to practice and without hesitation the crowd started attacking him the jailers ordered him or the leaders ordered them to be beaten with rods and then the crowd started attacking them as well and then they were thrown into prison so, um, but then, you know, I don't want to, you, like I said, people can go, you can go back and read it in Acts 16. It's a cool little story, especially how, uh, they get out and how the jailer was converted and everything. So y'all can go read that. I don't want to get too far ahead, but, uh, it's interesting to take reading the book of Philippians in light of his experience there and, you know, he obviously had a uh, strong church presence in Philippi still. There were still a lot of people that did accept the gospel. And 
I imagine a lot of people accepted it when they saw this all of a sudden this demon possessed girl <laughs> that was able to do these all of a sudden was completely different so I'm, I'm sure that helped as well so go ahead and take a minute though before I read and say a quick prayer and then if you guys, um, there's anything we can do, any prayer requests that you have, you can go to the website, aphomechurch.com, and fill anything out there. We'd be happy to help. We love hearing from you guys. All right, so it's uh, Philippians chapter 1 in the NLT is what we're reading from. All right, chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. He's probably talking about people that were just really angry with him and in with odds, at odds with him for some reason. So I can't imagine, I can't imagine why. So. I mean, they're still preaching the gospel. It's just kind of spitefully against Paul, but not really, you know, not not well really calling him out. But I think that adds into the point that some stuff out there may not be exactly the way that you You're right. agree with something or right. feel about something. But there's certain issues that are flat out false teaching. They are wrong. Sure. You sure, and then there's stuff that that's not, but they, that people teach more direct that they know isn't. You know, which is you know, that's forgivable because there's there's two sides. You know, obviously, well, there's, and there's foundational issues, and then there's correct. maybe the way you take something or you feel about something or have been convicted about something that isn't necessarily what everyone has to agree to. Yeah, or get out of it. So that's what that's what he means by that. Verse 16. Mm -hmm. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they pre preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, 
not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead me to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. I fully, I love that I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold. So even Paul had that like, yeah, I don't have any thoughts or any worries about falling. But I also hope I don't because I'm human. So it's nice to even see it you know an apostle with these same type of battles like we like we face right we uh, we all fully expect that we will always be bold for Christ in every single situation but then also there's that geez I hope I don't fall I, you know I don't want to so I'm going to attempt to not every single situation that I can Verse 21, for me living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do much more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. I don't know why... Uh, Everybody acts like it's not like I want to be with Christ. I want to be with Christ now. So there's a lot of people that uh, there's something kind of like, well, yeah, well, he's not here yet. So just deal with this now. It's like, yeah, but my longing. But not too soon. Yeah, but not too soon. We go back to that one again. Is it ever too soon to be with Christ? No, never. And we could see here Paul desires to be with Christ and he knows it's way better than this but he's got work to do so and yes thank God we get letters like this before Paul goes so verse 25 knowing this I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith and when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. So, before going into verse 27 here, this is another warning from, or not warning, but instruction from Paul is to live completely apart from the world. Verse 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So, we live as citizens of heaven. Not in Sorry. Yeah, not. But that, I mean taking that into your daily lives weigh your daily life and say is this living as a citizen of heaven 
and if it's not there definitely needs to be changes because we have to live as citizens of heaven it's a it's a it's an instruction not an option verse 28 don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved even by God himself for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ but also the privilege of suffering for him we are in this struggle together you have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I am still in the midst of it so even though when he's even though Paul is talking direct to the Philippians here he's saying though we all are in this struggle together still everybody every single one of us as believers in Christ and we have to realize that because of our salvation here on earth we we are walking around saved from certain condemnation so when you're saved with that kind of reality to it you have the privilege of anything that would happen to you here knowing that this opposition and these different things that are coming your way the suffering that's coming your way now is a privilege because that's the same exact suffering that Christ suffered for you for no reason we think well why are these things happening to me I didn't do anything I didn't you know why me why now why these are the same these are the same sufferings that that Christ himself went through for us so it's a privilege to suffer it's hard to look at it like that so in the midst of suffering it's really hard but if you can if you can train yourself to just be thankful in the midst of suffering it helps a lot because you say thank you for being able to share in the suffering that you experienced for me I mean I know that kind of sounds morbid and you know it's not like you're purposely torturing yourself just to kind of you know have equality with knowing what he felt but in your heart you know in 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 your person that suffering is a privilege for Christ because he suffered for you too so going into chapter 2 here Paul kind of he's acknowledging that there are these traits of of Christ in a Christian life but he's reminding others that if these if these are truths then we need to be of one-minded purpose so going into chapter 2 verse 1 is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ any comfort from his love any fellowship together in the spirit are your hearts tender and compassionate then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had that's verse 3 into 5 I mean that's get your highlighters out and red pens and circle it because these are instructions it's perfect guides of how to handle yourself or this is a good way to judge spiritual fruits <clears throat> as well but take it as a self-assessment first say don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as 
better than yourselves. We is I always I think we talked yesterday about how these things just go against our complete way of life. And most of these things do. We're not humble people. We always try to impress others. We are all very selfish. And we rarely think of others as better than ourselves. But these are all traits that we must have and must strive to do. And not only look out for our own interests in all things, in our own prayer. That prayer is probably the most important part of that. Don't just bring God, you know, and I have to remind myself of this all the time. I said, don't just bring God your problems. Bring others' problems first and then yours. Um, so just have that that balance in there and remind yourself that we must have the same attitude in in life that Jesus had. Verse 6, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I verse six right there I don't understand how there's a lot of a lot of cults and different question to Jesus divinity and I mean that's one of the most obvious verses right there that points to his divinity you know his though he was God <laughs> so I don't it's just can, like I'm just convinced that people just can't read or they just don't read it for themselves. One of the two. Both. Probably both. Verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Salvation. Work hard to show the results. This isn't free. It's not. It is. But it requires work. It requires effort on your part. Not works, but work. Just like anything. Like when you say a relationship, a marriage takes work. So does this. And it takes a lot of it. And God commands that you put him above all else. So showing the the results of your salvation needs to be your first thought in your acts of service to God every single day. I stopped on verse 13, right? For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. The desire and power, we have both of those in us that he gives. It's just up to us what to do with them. Verse 14 do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. 
So shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people, you have to look different. Verse 16, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting getting along. I like uh, the cheer him up part. You can tell that Paul was very concerned about that again, just showing emotion. So we think that even the, even the writers of the Bible struggled with the very same things that we do. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. And the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him, and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love, and with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. That's it for chapter 2 really expand on it very much because we will be back tomorrow morning with chapter three and just continue on going